I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I am JB, joining you again this week, as I have in the past few, and I'm joined by a special guest this week. Um, it's said that Pistol and Chizo are having a sleepover, uh, thus unavailable, both of them. So they're at each other's house. Uh, last I saw, I checked in with them recently on the phone. Uh, there was a bit of a hectic pillow fight going on, so we'll leave them to that. Um, I've had to resort to getting in... I had to resort sounds so bad. Um, I've got in the... I don't know how to build you up, JD. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. I'm uh, I'm JB's rebound now that Gizo <laughs> and Pistol aren't here, I guess. This is a weird yeah, way to make that- them jealous, but okay, if this is what you're into. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a Supercoach YouTuber. You can find me at Jackson Davey or on Twitter at Jackson Davey. Friend of um, Dr. Supercoach, obviously. Been to the footy with Pistol now, so which that makes us lifelong friends because we're there for Buddies of Thousands Goal, Forever Memories. True. Um, but yeah, happy just to be here and talk some super coach. Very excited to do that. Absolutely. And so glad that you could come and feel in. Otherwise, this was an hour of JB talking and legitimately not even my wife wants that. So <laughs> um, I couldn't imagine that would be popular on the stream. So uh, look, I've got a bit of uh, housekeeping to do. And unfortunately, JD, you, you don't have any access to this. So I'm going to talk your ear off for about five minutes and I, I promise you we'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go make a coffee. 
Yeah, go make a coffee. Um, all right, so let's start off with the new Patreon signups that we had during the week. Obviously, we thank you very much for your support throughout the year. We've got four new signups, starting with Ben Telford. We've got Mitchell Brown signing up, Joey and James Folds. So we really appreciate you guys getting in during the week. And this is usually where I'd throw to Pistol for the Cancer Council. Um, before I do that, I, I, sh- I should have said off the top of the podcast, we are powered by Code Sports. Um, JD, I'm becoming famous for, for, for getting to plug the most major sponsor that we've ever had, um, but we are powered by Code Sports. Um, we've had a few Cancer Council donations since we had last recorded, so bear with me. I'm going to read these ones out. Uh, firstly, Scott Barker, thank you very much for your donation, says another Doc Tun, another donation from Professor Poopy Pants. Uh, who's in our Slack, so much appreciated. JK has donated for dumb things, forgot to take the captaincy off of McRae for the Thursday Thursday night game. Um, I assume that was last week for a 92. Um, I know someone else who's done that, by the way, who didn't donate, so probably a good motivator for them. David Armorso with no message, but I think I can find the uh, the reasoning for this donation in the next one as Fozzie matches his donation, saying, I won a bet against David or um, uh, Amorso, Morriso, sorry. He donated to the Cancer Council, but I myself also wanted to match the bet for a good cause. Go Celtics and boo balls. So we're actually crossing over into the NBA now. Um, Nathan Gard realized Stuart was out and forgot to chuck the E on Conning and got a donut for that. So dollars for donuts from him. Really appreciate that. Michael Gunner has written a poem to Pistol. So I'm actually going to leave that one for next week. Pistol can read that one out because I don't think that's intended for me. Um, very cute though. And lastly, Delwyn Johns, donating for dumb things of which there were mo- multiple. Forgetting to move Hayes onto the field before my forwards were locked out, thus had no loophole. Panic traded Rochelle despite predicting a spike back a la Jimmy Rowe. Moved him to Cetas from Gold Coast in order to take the McRae VC score and attempt to snag a close head-to-head and win a cash league. Lost by eight points as he had Patrick Cripps as a unique. Oh my God, that's a that's a train wreck disaster right there. Um, JD, I might throw it back to you. Are you, are you still there? Are you on the line? Oh, hi. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not done, but I oh, thought I'd just, so just like check in with you. Brief intermission. I realized I didn't plug that I'm part of Fantasy Take TV, um, so follow them on Twitter too as well. So, yeah, now back to your plug. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> uh, YouTube as well and the lot, aren't they? Fantasy Take TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can find uh, our podcast on Spotify and uh, SoundCloud and Apple, I think, as well. You think? All right, I, 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 I don't do the, this podcast. Yeah, I don't do, the Apple one. George actually finally figured out after like two years, so that one is legit. I'm not sure the Spotify is legit too. That's what I use. I don't. I don't know about SoundCloud, but I think I think <laughs> we're there as well. Okay, good good plugs by you. Um, I've got two more to go, and then and then I'm done with my plugs. So uh, we got a prize league that we should have shouted out about four podcasts ago, um, but didn't because Pistol kept forgetting. Yes, I'm blaming Pistol because he's not here. Uh, so we have the winner of the prize league for last month, the month of March, is Watto is Blotto. Um, coach name obviously being Watto with a score of 6,968 for the month, narrowly beating Black on White from Scott Arthur by 11 points, who took over Gwenza Crow, um, coached by Chris, who had 69.39. So 
Um, he's our mug winner for the month and he can contact Chizo for that prize to get sent out to him. So congratulations. And then the random prize draw, I'm scrolling through the league now. I've closed my eyes. I actually don't know where I am right now. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I'm going to stop. And the random draw winner is Butler for the month of March. So congratulations to both our winners. So just contact Chizo, flex it out in the uh, in the general channel and let everyone know that you're winners. Ah, God, I'm taking a breath. Um, and I've got one last plug. It is a <laughs> Manscaped plug. So Australian Autumn is here. And luckily, the sponsors of today's show are Manscaped. They are here to make sure the leaves are falling off your tree as smoothly as possible. Their fourth generation performance package, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, has all the tools equipped to keep you calm and collected through all weather uncertainty. Time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code DRSE. And always remember, lads, when you trim the weeds, the tree stands taller. So thank you very much to Manscaped for sponsoring us once again. JD, we, we got to hook you up with some Manscaped stuff. It's it's really good product. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, autumn is coming. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything else because this conversation will get awkward quickly. But yeah, that sounds really <laughs> good if you, could, if you could get me some gear. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be awkward. I think that's the whole shtick is that it, it like it sticks in your mind because we're saying awkward things on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad you swerved that one because it's it saved me having an embarrassing conversation with the wife later. Um, all right, so we move on and this is where the podcast starts. We might we might have to time step the seven minute mark for people who are just uh, just wanting to skip all that. Um so, JD, your first podcast with us, we're going to structure it in the same way we've done the last few. We're going to go through defenders, midfielders, rucks, and forwards. It's just going to be a free-flowing conversation. We'll see where each conversation gets us. I'm going to start off with something that I know you'll be comfortable talking about as you've experienced Jordan Ridley already this season. Um, we're getting a lot of feedback from our Slack people who own Jordan Ridley um, just about how painful it's been this season something i'm sure you can relate to and what to do with him um obviously we'd like to preach not to trade our premiums out but ridley looking like a premium some weeks not looking like a premium other weeks what are your thoughts on this pick and why do you think he's been unsuccessful thus far just averaging 89.8 yeah so uh someone that i was big on and started this year and traded out uh after round two after he's 102, I think he scored. A lot of twos yep. there. Uh, and the reason why I traded him out was, even though he scored well that week, I was pretty worried about the role. And what I've seen is Essendon's game plan change a little bit in defense to my eyes, where we're exiting much faster than what we have previously. Um, so in the past couple of years, much more happy to chip it around, get it into Ridley's hand and have him exit out of defense, where this year we seem to just be going direct um, at the exits, not looking to get it through any particular individual and not having parts in the game where we slow play and, and do the kick to kick. So he's taken, I think, a small hit on kick-ins, but where I think the big loss in points has been is just that change in game plan. Everything else that he is meant to be doing when it comes to spoiling, intercept marking, all looks pretty good to me. It's just the game plan that Essendon's adjusted to has heard him, and we've seen it for some of the other defenders as well. Uh, so Heppel um, and Hind both had pretty good years last year, and they've also fallen away a fair bit, and I think it's for the same reasons. 
Yeah, so you did mention the kickouts. There were a bunch of kickouts round one. He took five of those, equal with Redmond as the most. But it was it's real it's a real mixed bag. Hine took two, Cutler took two, uh, and then even Merritt Cox and Dyson Heppel snuck down for a kick out each. In round two, he got four out of a potential six, which is good numbers. That's really where you'd like to see him hover. Um, the week after, good as well. Took seven um, out of a potential like thirteen or fourteen, which is again. You'd like it to be a little bit more, but seven kickouts is is a decent bump. And then again, last round, three out of um, a potential eight. So he's he's sort of up and down. Um, Mason Redmond's obviously their second most um, frequent kickout taker. And he, he actually takes a lot. I feel like it's whoever's closest out of those two. I think they trust both of those players to exit out of defensive 50 and generally as I've seen and, and as you've spoken about a little bit they're happy to just bomb it long trust their tools or, or sort of find someone along the wing on the other side rather than taking the short one to the pocket and then chipping it chipping it chipping it and trying to find their way out that way so um, whether it be game plan or kick out specifically he doesn't appear to have the ceiling would you advocate for people to trade even after holding and, and suffering a 20k loss already yeah, so just one more thing on his role. There is like an odd thing he's been doing this year, which is if he's playing on a small or medium, so say he's um, like playing on the resting midfielder, he'll go so up. So he took Rochelle this week as an example. Yeah, and so early on in that game, when Rochelle was, or Rochelle was pushing up to stoppages, say at the 50-meter arc, Ridley would follow him up and then be a stoppage player effectively. And he won one stoppage, like he won a clearance um, doing it. But the the problem is that uh, when those balls go for behinds, he's nowhere near. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like that's part of the reason why the, the kick-ins maybe aren't there just because the positioning sometimes ends up being weird. And he's, he's meant to be an intercept marker. So you want him in the square for those plays where if uh, Adelaide um, hack kicks it in, he's there to take the intercept possession or be part of a chain out of defence, not up at the stoppage where he's probably not winning his fair share of ball. Um, so anyway, just one more odd thing. So yeah, the, the question is, should people trade him out? I feel like you've kind of missed the boat a little bit at this point. Maybe this is the last week to do it because we start getting into upgrade season and, and sidewaysing these players is a no-no. So if this is your biggest problem, I could see why people would do it, especially if you could use just one trade to get him to someone that is going to be a keeper. But mm. anything beyond that, I feel like you you probably just have to hold and then if you get the chance at the end of the season, upgrade. Um, I, I don't know. What, what are you thinking, JB? I suppose it, it does rely a lot on personal preference, but if I had Ridley in my team and was still, for some reason, skeptical on Hewitt and needed to see him play with the 30 other midfielders in the side, I think I'd now be convinced and I would do that switch still, Jordan Ridley to, to Hewitt and effectively be upgrading a premium already in your side uh, and also making a little bit of cash on the side. Other than that, I think, it, it, like you said, it, it gets towards make or break. You really need to get off the fence about him and decide whether he is someone who needs to be traded or worst case scenario, holding him to his buy isn't that bad. I think he's still going to average between 90 and 95 um, with an upside of 100 average square on the dot. Um, as you said, if he's getting up to those stoppages, it kind of plays against his strengths of the intercept marking, which um, is the reason for a lot of his points in a lot of games. Um, if he if he does start getting back towards that role towards the middle of the season, he might still become a season-long keeper um, because you've already suffered the points loss. He's already averaging 89. You have to consider what he's going to average from next week onwards because that's what you're training him out of. Um, 
I, I think personally, I would be fine with moving him if there was someone super obvious that you could get to in one trade. Um, otherwise, I, I still think he's fine to keep. Yeah, that'd be like the Hewitt, as you mentioned, or Short. I think those are probably like the two really yeah. obvious ones that if you if you don't have. But yeah, beyond that, I think it kind of comes down to preference and, and where your teams are. Absolutely. Um, so he's kind of the only defensive premium we're going to discuss. The next defender that we're going to talk about as a potential trade-out option is Bowie. Uh, so this one has had its ups and downs already. I, I, I got a lot of messages about people celebrating Bowie despite me saying, look, he's probably not one for me, um, following in 89 against Essendon. Then he put out a 47 against Poor, and I'll quickly come to his defense that game saw effectively one good defender in the Melbourne side score well, and that's because Stephen May has a majority of kickouts um, and effectively took nearly all of the kickouts, and we kicked about a billion behind. So I don't think this was the game for any defender to score well. Um, so I, I, I tend to not blame him entirely for the score. However, it has hurt his cash generation quite a lot. So the break-even's already up to 82 um, the 151 comes out of the three round this round, um, and he's going to effectively need to to string together at least three, two or three eighties before he's even looking at another price rise. So, what what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, will the will the real Jake Bowie please stand up? Please stand up? Please stand up? I just <laughs> I just don't know what to expect from him on a given week at the moment because we've seen two pretty poor scores, actually two really poor scores for someone of his price, and then two really good scores or like a 150 and a 80 something. So yeah, both good scores. And I just don't know which Bowie you're going to get. Um, is this going to be his scoring pattern for the year where it's one up, one down, or is it like you've mentioned and this port game kind of an anomaly and we're going to see more eighties out of him? Because if we see more eighties out of him, even though he's already at a 82 break, even I think he's a perfectly fine hold, but if you're going to get, this inconsistency where we can expect to see more 50s and 60s out of him as well, then he's someone that I'd be trading on this week um, once again just before we start getting to upgrade season because this isn't really the type of play you want to be fiddling around with in a few weeks. Um, and, and if you get into that situation where, say, he drops another 40 or 50 next week for whatever reason, he is now bleeding money and needs to be traded out desperately, uh, which yeah. is not a great situation to be in. Uh, so yeah, like I, I, it's a really hard one for me to get a read on. I, I didn't like him particularly as an option just because this type of pick doesn't tend to work out very often. And we've already seen both the highs and lows of it. Uh, are, are you advocating that people trade, hold, or, or do something different? I think the thing that scares me is if you need three or four scores of about 80 for him to see his next sort of price rise from where he's currently at, um, Salem comes back in four to six weeks. That could, obviously, if that's on the lower side. And also, by the way, we're seeing a lot of quick recoveries. I don't know if it's just Port this year, but a lot of players coming back before the initial diagnosis. That could just be me. But, <laughs> Tell that to Fantasia. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, right, right yeah. Um, but Eliz expected back this week. I thought he was like ruled out for the next six to eight. But um, anyway, so Salem, four to six weeks. Um, if that turns into you know three to five, uh, if he's running ahead of schedule, for example, Bowie might just run out of time to just reset that break even and start making cash again, even if he is a good pick without Salem in the side. And then whether you think Salem affects him or not, I think it's enough to sort of be worried out of um, holding him for another three weeks beyond that. So look, I think he's he's probably a trade-out. He's probably a cash-in. Um, I don't know who people would particularly be missing, 
But just to name a few of the bigger options, we've already mentioned Hewitt and Shaw. I think um, Aaron Hall is another one who, although he's been a little bit down in the last couple of weeks, has the probably the best upside in defense um, besides probably Hewitt and Shaw. So I think those are the main three guys that I'd be targeting. And if you already have those three guys, then you've got a unique team for starters. But I don't uh, like who's the next guy that's sort of on your lips. Is it maybe Tom Stewart? Yeah, I really like Tom Stewart as someone that I don't own. Uh, he just is really consistent, and I feel like he has had a couple of game scripts go against him so far where he could have ended up with 120s or 130s but just had the low 100s instead. I just yeah, feel I like that. he's the most trustworthy of the defenders. Uh, but you're right, he probably doesn't have the ceiling of someone like a Hall or a Doherty um, who's kind of come a little bit out of nowhere this year. So uh, it probably depends on what you value, whether it's getting to that safer top six premium or going for someone with the upside, but may have um, durability or other risks um, at a, at a much greater level than what Stuart has. I'm going to spring one on you and I don't usually do this. So I do apologize. Um, Jack Sinclair averaging 116 so far this year, coming off a big 135. His role has been nothing but inconsistent. He was, he had about a two dozen CBAs last week and this week he was exclusively half back. What do you think about him? He's going to get defender status. Obviously he's going to get defender mid status, I should say, um, which might open up a couple of swings later on, which is always handy. But more importantly, he's scoring like an Uber premium. He's only 526 K still. Yeah. This is really hard for me because the eighth, ninth year breakout, whatever it is, isn't traditionally a pick I fall in love with. Like I didn't really love crisp last year or even this year even though I started him for the same reason and so that worries me a little bit with Sinclair not only that but St Kilda do have um, a, a fair few players to come th- back through to the midfield and that makes me worried whether they adjust or change his role with those people coming back so if he was still at a, a quite heavily discounted price I think it would be a lot more interesting but he's kind of at that point where he's not too much away from some of these other premiums we've talked about in price. And I think I'd just rather go for someone with the proven history than than banking on this breakout continuing. But I like I don't hate it as an option either. It's a it's a weird one. Like yeah, I like I can't tough, I can't it? fault people for going for it, but it's just not the type of pick that I would traditionally go for myself. Well that's the thing. I don't want to be the guy who's responsible for talking people off of Jack Sinclair who um, I suppose he didn't. I need to look at the, the end of last year's scoring um, from him because I think he he did start training upwards when he settled into that halfback role, but he hasn't exclusively played halfback this season, and he's still just scoring well wherever he goes. So it's semi breakout, semi role related, like what we sort of saw with um, Aaron Hall towards the uh, pretty much from round four last season. Um, so to end the year, he had 101, 98, 102, 96, a couple of 80s, uh, another 97, a 76, a 126, a 99. Like he ended the season pretty well last year. Um, so I suppose that he started dropping the breadcrumbs for what was going to be a potential breakout this season in that role. I still just don't know if I trust him. Um, and that that's on me. So if you personally, whoever it is that's considering him, if you trust him as a pick based on what you saw towards the end of last year and, and what you've already seen this year, then I would definitely advise going with your gut. It's just, 
I don't think he's on my radar currently. I think I'd be happy to just pay up for him at the buys if he's still averaging 110 plus. So, so to invoke a name that you would be all too familiar with, which would be Dan Houston, he feels oh. somewhat similar to me in in the sense that he can play and probably score well in multiple positions. But when you have that flexibility, the consistency doesn't seem to be there and you do have those down games where you're put into positions that... Uh, great for the team, but not necessarily great for Supercoach. And I think that's the, the downside risk that I'm most worried about with Sinclair. That definitely summarises Dan Houston. And I do, yeah, I agree. I think, especially being injury dependent um, in the in the St. Kilda list, uh, they've had a lot of injuries already. We might just not know where he ends up settling. He's obviously best 22, but um, is it possible that he plays a couple of games at half forward? It, it definitely is for me. So uh, I guess... A versatility can be such a curse in this game, especially when it comes to consistency and, and keeping a high floor, which is super important for upgrade targets. So, um, yeah, I think you probably summarized that pretty well there. I, I do like when people bring up Dan Houston. It makes me a bit uncomfortable <laughs> in the podcast, so I appreciate that. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is Hinge. So Mitch Hinge obviously had a hit pointer injury, was subbed out of last week's game, was touch and go pretty much until the coach was interviewed today in which he said they're probably going to be without him. Um, that sort of indicates to me that it's a it's a zero to two week injury um, at most, I hope. Um, I don't know if I'm reading into that too much, but I, I just don't really see reason to trade Hinge. He has one of the better scoring potentials of all the rookies that we have. Yeah, so my initial reaction after that was like, great, I've got an excuse to trade someone to Adriscoll, who I'm sure we'll cover later. Um, but as I kind of um, slept on it and thought about it later this week, it just seems like someone that we really shouldn't be trading out. He's one of the better scorers we've seen from rookie so far. It, it, to me, it sounds like zero to one week even, uh, just like a bad corky. Um, so yeah, maybe he doesn't get up this week, but I'd be really surprised if he didn't get up next. And... I just think he's still got 100k to make and that's probably more than some of the other rookies that we've got that are underperforming at the moment. So I'm going to try and hold on to him this week and I think the way his schedule works out is quite nice because you can loophole uh, McCartan and DeConning with him. So uh, I don't think like the hit you'd be taking by having those two loopholing with Hinge would, would necessarily be a bad thing this week. Yeah, perfect. I agree. And another thing, obviously, his job security is, is as good as pretty much anyone that we're looking at in terms of rookies. So um, he'd have to string together a bunch of poor games to get out of that squad. And I just don't think he has it in him. I think he's actually a good player that's just been riddled with injuries and has gotten to this point where he's not a household name, but he's good enough to be on in, in the best 22. So um, yeah, I count on him returning next week. Not one that I'll be looking to trade, um, even if it was for O'Driscoll, who we are going to talk about next. So um, O'Driscoll is an interesting one. I, I, I hate paying up for players who are 167K, someone who's already appreciated $40,000 in value. But I think I phrased it on Twitter like this. If Nathan O'Driscoll wasn't used as the sub in round one and actually started at 167K, scored 49 and then 104 and is now on the bubble, what would you assess him as? Like, how would you look at that as a pick? Um, I think it changes people's mentality in that they don't have to pay for someone who's gone up in price, but they're just paying for an, an increased rookie anyway. So um, what are your thoughts on Adriscoe? How essential do you think he's going to be? 
Yeah, like you can draw the comparison to Erasmus, right, who's effectively the same price and has played two games. And if you look at the scoring and the job security, who do you think's got better scoring potential and better job security from here? And it's probably O'Driscoll on both. Maybe scoring potential is similar, but the job security seems to be skewed towards Drizzy at the moment, as uh, George was calling him. Um, I like that. Yeah, I like. I prefer Noddy, but, you know, the the kid with the red and yellow car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've butchered that song, I'm sure. The, the kids will get me for that one. But, uh, yeah, Noddy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so how much of a must-have is he? So, I think I would traditionally say that he probably isn't a must-have, especially at his price. And his role isn't... It's not like he's an inside mid or he's, you know, playing like a day-cost ridiculous role across half-back. But at the same time, looking at the first gamers and potential downgrade options next week. I kind of don't see much either. So it feels like a good chance for us to bring in a rookie that could make a lot of money and get rid of some of the ones that are currently underperforming. So in any regular season, I would, you know, and, and most other rounds probably this year, I would say that this type of rookie isn't a must have, but given, you know, what's going with people having Bowie or dead rookies or whatever it may be, he seems like a really, really strong option this week. Is that how you feel, JB, or have you kind of got a different perspective on on Noddy or Drizzy or O'Driscoll? I've got a yeah. I, I don't have a nickname for him yet, so I'll I'll hopefully you know soften to one of those. That's a that's a perspective thing as well. Um, I guess it kind of. There's, I think there's about a thousand conversations that we can have that O'Driscoll correlates to. First of all, I'm going to sort of redirect the conversation for a second, and this might sort of give us an answer to the question. Um, how many trades is too many trades to have used? Because in past seasons, if you were using four trades before your first upgrade, I think you were probably getting too far behind the eight ball of getting full premium and, and being comfortable post buys uh, in terms of trade count. Where I, I don't know about you guys um, or any other content creators on, on the Twitter sphere and how they're going with trades, but at the general DRSE trade count is that we're down four. Some people are down five. Some people are down three. Some people are obviously lucky and they're down less already. I've I've got 30 trades left if I get O'Driscoll this week. What are your thoughts? And I, I know this is such a difficult and weighted question. What are your thoughts on the amount of trades that you should have handy before we even get it into the upgrade season? Yeah, this is a really good question. I wish you'd warned me ahead of time on this one. I, I'm actually yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm actually in the same boat. So I'm at 31 uh, trades before I make any adjustments this week. So I had to do two rookie uh, corrections and then had to get in Crips and Hewitt, which uh, yeah, it's worked out so so. I guess. Um, so I guess like the rule of thumb is how many spots do you still need to upgrade, and then you probably need um, uh, two trades for each of those spots, then some safety for. Uh, you know, any corrections, injuries, whatever it may be at the end of the year. So this kind of comes down to like, yeah, how many how many keepers or upgrades or positions on field do you think you still have? Do you want to jump in that? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you already calculated this? I've just had a look. So I've got 12 premiums in my side. That's not including any of Brody, Cornelio, like any of the bonus guys. It's not including Raul either. So I don't expect those guys to be premiums. Um, so I need to make 10 upgrades. The reason, as I sort of take over your answer before I throw back to you, um, the reason I think trades are, this is going to sound bad at first, are less important this season 
is because of people like Paddy McCartan, like O'Driscoll, like Rao, o- uh, like Horn Francis, Dacos, Rochelle, um, Cornelio Brody, Sherry, Martin. Like I, I can I can just go on. Um, Dixon actually looks like he's going to make quite a bit of money as well uh, and probably Hayes whenever he you know, jumps into plays. There is a lot of money being made this season, more than what I've probably ever seen um, and more successful mid-prices than what I've ever seen. I didn't even mention Chapman and I didn't mention Bowie, who's already made decent cash. I think this season, considering we've got plus five trades and so much cash generation in our mid-prices and... Um, our lower rookies already. Maybe, because usually I would say two trades per player, the occasional three trades per player. I think it's definitely two trades per upgrade. And if I did that now with O'Driscoll on my team, I'd still have 10 trades left. We can obviously take out, for example, five of those for injury uh, and whatever. That still leaves me five for the second half of the season, right? That's not, that's probably the most ideal position to be in is having five still in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, right? Like if we go down to 30 trades this week, this is what we start with for the last few years and our teams feel more advanced when it comes to money. And keepers are probably about the same, but when it comes to money, yeah. right? So um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think like going down below 30 even at the moment is fine. Uh you've just got to start to tighten up a bit. I think people have been a little bit trade happy. And it also means that, you know, part of, for those that have more trades, you definitely have an advantage because you could potentially cull some of these rookies a little bit earlier, maybe not extract full value, but get in premiums faster than others. Um, So for those that are using more trades now, I think you're going to have to be a little bit more careful through your upgrade process. But I don't think it's game over if you're lower on trades than others at the moment. So, uh, again, on the trade situation, looking ahead to someone like Clayton Oliver, um, who we don't usually see score sub-tons, he has GWS coming up this week. We could potentially see two sub-tons from him in a row. Um, that That's going to that's gonna lower him to a price that we probably haven't seen for about, well, since his debut, just about... Even the player, even the Uber premiums that we need in our sides are shedding more money than usual. Aaron Hall has shed more money than what I expected him to for the entire season already. Daniel Rich is shedding money as well. Crisp shed a little bit, but I think he's probably back on the up now. Um, you still have players like Hewitt and Cripps who are both available as Uber premiums at a really cheap price. Lockie Neal, we started at a super cheap price. He's an Uber as well. I, I just think this year in terms of money, we probably haven't been... And I don't want to get ahead and and like cull all these guys and all of a sudden we have zero rookies throughout the season and we just got ahead of ourselves still being reasonable with it and it's why we only spoke about Ridley this week in terms of uh, the defenders that you might want to be swapping I assume a lot of people are frustrated with Whitfield but you just I just don't think you can trade him after a couple of 90s in a row still be sensible with your trades but I think using more than what we're used to at this point in the season isn't as bad as what we we used to think about that so uh, I phrase that really strangely, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you, you could have been more aggressive with fix-ups this year, which I think a lot of people have been already. Yeah, um, for sure. And it, it not be as punishing in previous years. I mean, especially last year, a lot of people ran out of trades towards the end because the back half of the year got a little bit crazy. That, that'd be me. <laughs> yeah, I think like last round I had maybe a premium donut that I shouldn't have. But 
like, so I, I was on the better end. But yeah, I think we're going to be okay this year. And you're right. I think the cash generation's pretty good all over the shop. It's just, it's been hampered a little bit by the COVID out. So like Dixon, Durden, yeah. Martin have all missed a week already of cash gen. They should be one week further ahead. And then the mid benches for a lot of people are really poor at the moment. So that's like the only spots of concern. But everywhere else, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of rookies and mid prices easily make 200K. And that is pretty mm. rare. And 200K from elevator prices. Dacos and Horn Francis are going to make that, I think, quite easily um, from elevator prices. Rao, um, I'm trying to look at what he's already made. He's already made 60K. Uh, and I expect him to go on. He's a talking point later. I'm going to circle back to Nathan O'Driscoll. Um, I think Proust is on the horizon next week for people who are making, who are getting in another player to make cash, um, who we didn't even mention as one of the grand cash cows um, this year. <laughs> and I, I just think, as you sort of said, if you're going down to 30 trades this week, 29 trades next week with Proust, I think you're still in, in quite a safe I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Position and 104 upside with O'Driscoll. This is pending him surviving the return of Tucker and Sarong this week. If he does that, there's only really five to come back into the side that will harm his job security. Um, obviously, he could fall out with poor games as anyone could. But he's he was pretty good in the preseason. I think we all had him in our sides after the preseason matches. We were surprised to see that he wasn't in contention for round one. Um, he forced his way in with a sub appearance, in which he kicked the goal and played well. Um, he was a little bit lower last week, but then you know he showed everything that he could do this week. So, look, I think he's he's risky in terms of job security. Everything else is a tick, um, and I'm willing to give that a spin for someone who could make a really quick 150k. So just on Noddy then, the, the only thing I'm worried about is not that he'll get dropped in the next week or two. I think the effort on the weekend is security spot for a little while. But I am worried that with Sarong and Tucker coming back that he gets pushed more into a pocket somewhere and his scoring falls off. Is that a concern for you at all or am I kind of just jumping at shadows? No, I guess it is a little bit. I, I don't think it... I don't think he gets affected as much as what you would probably theorize. Like, I think everything's really simplistic when you just say, these guys come back, so this guy's role's dead. Like, he'll, he'll still rotate through good positions on the field. Um, and I think he's that next guy in, even if he does get pushed out of a, a wing or sort of half... I, I actually don't know exactly where he played. I think it was mostly wing on the weekend. Um, if he does get pushed out of there, he's still going to see rotations through there. And, I mean... Besides not having an opposite foot, he's really talented and he's good at finding the ball. So, um, and dangerous around the goals. I think they kind of want that. <laughs> I don't think they want to just stick him 
sort of in a pocket somewhere and, and just like, yeah, I know that's not what you're suggesting, but the yeah. personnel, I don't think just throws him back there. I think he still gets plenty of uh, reputation, reputi- repetitions, oh my God, um, through a good enough role to make money. I think I guess the other good thing with his pick is he just needs a couple more sixties and he's already made ninety k, which is which yeah. is less than where you want to be. But if that's the downside of the pick, it's probably not going to hurt you too much to to grab him this yeah. week. Absolutely. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna talk more, I guess, about Nod when we get to Erasmus. Actually, let's just, let's just do it now. So um, I'm gonna actually cross out Erasmus. I, I just think he's a worse option. He probably goes out this week and he has worse job security than Nod and worse scoring potential. Um, I, I just don't think it's quite his here. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he's going to end up being the much better player of the two in the long run. But it just feels oh, it feels like they were happy to have him in the twos to start this year to let him build up through that and kind of get ready for AFL. Um, and he's only really in there just because of the, the long list of injuries that Freo's had. So I can imagine them putting him back to the VFL to continue developing. Not that he's been yeah. bad or anything at the AFL level. It's just that he's best positions on the inside and that's where they're going to run out of spots. Right, so... We've spoken about Hinge and and that we don't want to trade him out, which I, I still stand firm on. Um, there's I don't have any forwards here that I would want to trade out. No way. It pretty much leaves me with a few midfielders that are potentially trade out options. I've narrowed them down to McDonald, Ward, and I suppose whoever has a loophole still potential in that spot. If you want to do an upgrade to uh, a Driscoll. Pretty much McDonald and Ward are the main guys that I'm suggesting we trade out. Do you have anyone that I'm forgetting there? Or? Can we throw in uh, Dylan Stevens into the conversation? Because I know there's uh, a few that have held on to him, like myself, that um, have been looking at all three going, this is a horrible looking bench and one of these probably needs to become O'Driscoll this week. Um, yeah, Stevens. Yeah, right. Uh, from Sydney. Yes. Um, yeah, 202K, correct. So, right. Those are the options. I think I'm going to cross out the loophole option. So I've still got Owens on my bench. I'm not considering the upgrade to O'Driscoll. I like having a loophole at the moment. The rest of my rookies are playing. Um, I, I think I'd rather hold on to that. What are, you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it seems reasonable. I mean, you have to pay money to do the upgrade, and I think that's just not worth it at this point in the year. Yeah. So McDonald and Ward. I actually think McDonald gets dropped this week. I'm, I'm pretty confident he does. Um, he's my early favorite. Steven's break-even is still just down at two. Um, so the week that he is back, and I do think he will be back probably sometime in the next fortnight, if not this week, um, I still think he makes more money than what McDonald does in the long run. Is that is that fair? Would you disagree with that? Yeah, I, it's really tough because I thought McDonald showed a lot as an inside mid during the preseason, and they've given yeah, him definitely. no time there. They've played him in this real dead role and given Ward lots of opportunity, who is stunk it up largely for the most part. So I think yep. it'd be a real shame if they just dropped McDonald. I'd be resting Ward and then giving McDonald a shot at his role this week if if I was in control. But maybe this is just me with my super coach glasses on um, making these no, decisions. I absolutely agree with that. I just think Ward with being the higher pick, I think he's just going to get all the opportunity this year to, to just do something. Hawthorne aren't looking at winning games immediately. Yeah, despite them starting well, by the way. The the one thing I like about holding McDonald, and maybe you don't rate this um, that highly, is just that he's going to get forward eligibility next week, and that yeah. means you open up that DPP slot if you're someone that hasn't already got a, a forward mid swing. 
Uh, whereas someone like Ward, who I also think is a decent chance of getting either rested or dropped this week, isn't going to get that. And so if they both end up being dead, then you could have got more money out of Ward now and you have the better um, DPP with McDonald. Um, so I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead to Ward. No, but- no, I'll, cut, I'll actually cut you off on that. If we're trading either of these guys, are we trading them direct to O'Driscoll? Or are we trying to swing Rochelle into the midfield and then, for example, it's Conning or McCartan into the forward line? Because that opens up all those loopholes. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, it comes down to team um, um, situation yeah, at that point, right? Definitely. Because I'm fielding Rochelle and Martin at the moment and I don't want to bench Rochelle in the mid and then be forced to play uh, like Durden or Dixon or Hayes or someone like that. I'd just rather have yeah. Rochelle on. Because I agree. I think the McDonald forward status opening up is very handy. Um if he if McDonald's dropped this week and Ward plays, would you then just stop the conversation and say get McDonald out? Or if McDonald's dropped and Ward plays this week, yeah, yeah, probably. I think you just have to back in the playing rookie. Yeah, um, we we will know that by the way, unless you're doing a, a million swings, in which case DeConning's probably involved. Who's involved out of the forward line? Rochelle. That's on Saturday. So yeah, we should know Monday's final teams by Saturday Arvo, I think. Is that correct? Or do we find uh, them out Saturday night? Wait, so on Friday night, the Monday team should be announced. So yes, Saturday, 5 p.m., it should be finalized, right? Okay, that's not quite going to get us with the Rochelle. Oh, I mean, you could just swing Brody into the midfield. Okay, it doesn't really matter, right? It, you could just swing. <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, so. I've totally got no, Brody. <laughs> no Cogs or like okay. Dunkley. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's just say Dunkley. Um who who plays early. But anyway, you, you're going to be able to swing someone in there. Um, so we should be able to see final team. So if McDonald is dropped and Ward does play, I think Ward has an 80 in him at some point this season. I just don't know when it is. And we might already all have traded him out by then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it pretty much if one of these guys survives and the other one doesn't, you, you just trade the other one, I think. I think it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely does have a big score in him. So he already put a 88 together in fantasy or dream team. And usually you don't score 88 in fantasy in like a 40 or a 50 in super coach, which is what he did that yeah. week. So he could have already had that week where he he massively, you know, kicks out of his cash generation. And while I don't think he would have been a raging success, he would have been on his way to getting up to 250, 280, something like that. Yeah. Um, and And... Yeah, I just it's really hard though because they moved him out of the midfield this week. So the reason why we were holding was like he, he looked really good with getting CBAs, even though if it wasn't turning into super coach points. But now that he isn't getting as much CBAs, I'm like really worried about what his future looks like at the moment. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm going to quickly wrap this up. I'm going to rank them in what I think it is. And, and you can rank over the top of me afterwards if you like. So um, I think I would trade McDonald first unless Ward is dropped and McDonald keeps his spot, in which case I would trade Ward first. Um, if if McDonald and Ward are both named, I would trade McDonald first, Ward second, um, and Stevens third. I'm, I'm high on Stevens. I, th- I still think he makes his money. Um, and then the loophole, like somewhere down at like 20th or something on those options. Yeah, I, th- I think that sounds right to me. I, the only thing I might swap is if they're both Hawks are played, I might trade out Ward before McDonald, just because I get... I, I wouldn't even try and twist your arm against that, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's a real gut call. Oh, it's just the DPP and the fact I get an extra 40k now, which may be useful for my first upgrade. Um, yeah, true. So, like, I, 
I, but you're right. It feels like a coin flip, and it's one that you know this is a different type of rookie roulette that could really bite you. Yeah, and their break evens are essentially the exact same. That's forty six and forty four. So, yeah, um, it, yeah, it's, it's it's such a tough decision. Um, I hope we helped, but I'm not. I'm not talking on it anymore. <laughs> um, right, well, so I think the f- I think the important thing is it's just like between Ward and McDonald, there isn't an obvious good answer as to which one to trade if they're both named or if they're both dropped. Yeah, correct. It's it's real gut call stuff, and I mean I I really don't want to see Ward on my field ever again. So I mean. Maybe I'll just lean him for that reason alone. Hopefully, Stevens is named this week, by the way. Just side note. I'm, I'm really, really hoping that he is, um, especially with Cripps missing, who we're going to talk about next. So, Cripps, 525K, obviously scored 38, subbed out in the first quarter. Um, it break even still, I mean, it's 152, but that's going to turn around in about two weeks' time. This guy's an uber premium. He's averaging 112 with the 38 in his average. Um, z- missing effectively zero to one weeks. Let's just say zero to two weeks. Um, okay, let's just say one to two. I'm going to give up on the fact that he's playing this week. Um, with a hamstring injury, confirmed one to two weeks then. What are your thoughts on Cripps? I think he's still an uber premium. And I think people who trade him are going to want him back. And I think if he plays the very next week, um, misses the port game and then plays next week, I think he scores well and people are already going to be looking to get him straight back in. I just think he's a really bad trader. Uh, we are so sad as super coach players. Like this is a pick I hated four weeks ago and I'm pretty sure you're in, you're in the same boat. I don't think you 100%. started hundred percent. Right. And then Correct. we see like, we see like three good scores. We see a one thirty average. And like, man, he's an uber prima man. I've loved Crip. So I want to hold on to him forever. <laughs> and like, I just, like, it's, it's so hard to reconcile between these two things. So, I'm just going to assume that he's a good pick and, like, we all jumped on him because we saw real stuff that can continue and that he's not a burn man. So, let's let's work on, like, good faith assumption that Cripps is a good player and yep. can be a primo if healthy. And so, then the decision just comes down to how long do you believe the injury is and what's your tolerance for trading him out based on that. So, traditionally, zero or one-week injuries we hold on primos Two weeks is borderline, but generally a hold, especially if we're already upgrading elsewhere. And then three weeks or more is is a spot where you can trade, especially where it, it um, you know, depends on the injury. But for hamstrings, I think yeah, three week plus you can you can trade pretty comfortably. Yeah, definitely. So if we're saying zero to sorry one to two on average, then that would lean towards hold for me. Uh, but the the only thing that like lingers at the back of my mind is the conversation we had a little bit earlier about the trades and having extra trades this year, which means that if you were still sitting comfortably above 30, I don't see why you couldn't aggressively trade this week and hope that it's actually two to three weeks rather than one. Um, And even if it is just one, like there is probably still some small advantage to gain from going on that now. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned this, actually. I was going to mention this, but you've naturally just brought it up. So, He's got a break even of 152. He's going to drop 20k uh, with a with a small ton on his return. If he gets obviously a slightly bigger ton, then it's not going to be as bad, and he's probably only going to drop like 30k overall. Um, I think if you've still got more than 30 trades, I do see a world where you pray that this is two weeks exactly. You get a bit of an edge on players by you know trading in a Bontempelli for a couple of weeks. And then in two weeks' time, you look to upgrade back to Patrick Cripps. The thing is, there's not a lot of guys to go to. And I mentioned Bonzapelli on purpose because Jack Steele has GWS in a week's time. 
Oliver already has a high break even and plays GWS this week. I like unless you missed someone super obvious. Even even took Miller has a break even of 188. He's going to drop in price as well. You might have missed Neil or McRae. Like they're already super expensive. But if they're the guys that you can afford, I, I guess there's just not a lot of options. You kind of have to trust the Bontempelli. Um, who I do, by the way, I think he's a good trading option. But I just think. Essentially, if you're looking to trade him and you already don't have a lot of trades, and he's already he's only priced at 525k. Like he's if he was 650k and his break even was 250, then there's definitely a reason to sort of discuss this, especially if it was already confirmed two weeks or something. But I, I just honestly can't get my head around it unless you're in like the most ideal position in Supercoach, like with a bunch of trades and, and nothing wrong with your team. I could see one other kind of left field scenario, which isn't. Super rare, but I know some people are looking at it this week, which is if you had uh, Proust at R2 and then you've got Hayes and Dixon for cover, I don't think trading Crips to English and then playing English in your ruck line um, this week is the worst option either, depending on what that frees up for you. But I still think you have to be pretty flush on trades. I, I'm, I'm really worried, though, that you know we start the year without Crips, we trade him in, then we trade him out with the idea of then trading him back in once he drops Dixon another 20K. In. Right. And then we have the position where, like, he's already shown that he's got some injury risk. So maybe we trade him. Like, we with like using four yeah. or five trades on on one player in one year is like that is disaster in any any other year of Supercoach. And so that's like, I don't know. It just makes me sick to think about trading him out to trade him back in. It feels like I'm trying to be a little bit too cute. And when you try to get too cute with Supercoach, that's when the gods come down and smite thee. So. I'm I'm definitely yeah. leaning more towards holds, but yeah, yep. if you're a 33, 34 trade still, then I think go for it. You you probably have much less risk that you're facing than than me. Yeah, I, I think yeah, unless your situation is really, really, really good, I think you're just getting a little bit too trigger happy on on the Crips injury. If it was, for example, Lockie Neal, you wouldn't be trading out for a week because you'd be scared that he's going to burn you on the other side. But that's the same reason we got Crips. His ownership is, as I loaded up, like it's 50-something percent, um, 61% now. If you trade him out, he only misses one week and scores 140 next week, which is, by the way, entirely possible because that's why we own Patrick Cripps in the first place is because we are now convinced of his uber um, abilities in which, he, by the way, he was already on 30 at quarter time, before quarter time, when he got subbed out with the, with the hamstring injury. He's just good this year. Um, you're going to want him back. And I don't want the reverse POD for the two weeks that it takes you to get him back. Um, I just think it's super wasteful. So that's Crips for me. Last midfielder we're going oh, to talk sorry, about. Sorry, just, gonna... just one other thing. Oh, and sorry. this is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his fixture, Carlton's fixture is nutso. Unbelievable. So yeah. if he's back, like if, if he's back in one week, it's Frio North Adelaide. If he's back in two weeks, it's straight into North and Adelaide. So while he does have that high break even, there's there's a real chance that he hits it and so he doesn't lose that much money and you missed out on like a 140, which is then pretty bad. Uh, yeah. It's not even the worst week to miss. Port held both Oliver and Petrarca to low scores this week. Like it might not even be the worst week to miss, mm. honestly. Mm. Yeah. Not that there's an ideal week to miss, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I take, it, I take your point. I take your point. Um, Matty Rao was the last midfielder. Then we're going to zoom through the end of the podcast. I'm sorry I've kept you this long, JD. Um, so Rao scored 65 this week. He's been real up and down, which I, I think is 
probably the most predictable thing in the world. He's got 157, 71, 103, 65. He's going to be up and down. He has zero outside game whatsoever. The game is either going to be perfect for him and contested, and he's going to rack up a bunch of contested disposals and, and whatnot, or it's going to be just far too open, and he's just not quite going to have the upside. I think it's fair to say, for those expecting him to be a premium, um, don't. He's not going to be a premium. He's already made 60K. His break-even is around 68. I think there's going to be more spike scores coming in the near future. He's got St. Kilda this week, uh, Collingwood in a couple of weeks. I think he's going to have spike scores and keep on rising in cash, but he might be one that we're looking at to get to a Clayton Oliver in a couple of weeks. It's like an easy stepping stone um, or just someone that we hold to the buy. I don't think at this point right now, I think it's far too reactive um, to just trade him out after a poor score. Agree. Yeah, I don't see any reason to trade him out this week. If he's your biggest problem, you are absolutely flying. Um, maybe like Creeps if you have too many trades, but then who are you trading him to? You, you, you're getting someone like Bontempelli or someone that you don't really want or someone who's going to drop more in cash. So um, the scenarios for Rao, I just think are just nutty. I, I think you should just keep him. Um, the Ruck line essentially just covers Proust. This is just to say, um, if you do have Proust, Jack Hayes is going to replace Paddy Ryder, who's missing a fortnight. Um, I'm absolutely okay with that cover. He scored extremely well, even as a third tool, um, but he's going to be the second tool. He's going to get some ruck minutes um, and, and play pretty well, I assume. So um, I think his floor is, is high enough to just chill and, and not worry about Proust missing the one week. And if you don't have Proust, obviously, we just get to wait a week. And and whoever we're trading to, him either gets to appreciate a little bit more cash or we get to see the Stevens situation or the Hawks situation pan out, and, and it's just pretty easy. All right, so two questions for you on this one. If you yeah. If you're planning to upgrade next week... Proust isn't really a good downgrade option. Is there a world where, say, you like bring in Proust and O'Driscoll this week so you can do a one-up, one-down next week? Yeah, who are we one-upping, one-downing? Yeah, like I don't know because uh, we haven't got any good one-game rookies. <laughs> Assu- assume that we do. I don't know. Say um, Holland's and yeah, Holland's debuts this week and scores at 80. Would you? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this seems like too many ifs. <laughs> I, I think I've already answered my own question. Okay. So probably no proof this week. Yep. Okay. Second question. Um, a lot of people have both Hayes and Dixon. Dixon looks yep. like he might have a really good role this week with no Nick, Nick Nat for the foreseeable future, no Allen as well. Um, if if people are choosing between Hayes and Dixon to cover for Proust, uh, who would who would you rank one? Who would you rank two? That's a really good question. Um, Dixon's score came out of nowhere to me. I, I didn't really see that in him, um, but he he only really had one poor quarter um, and one amazing quarter. I think he scored nearly 50 in the last quarter, but he had 40-something at halftime and then didn't move off of that uh, until three-quarter time where he started scoring, and then in the last quarter, he exploded. Um, he has Sydney, and they're without Hickey, so that's a Laddams matchup. Um, whom he's only an inch shorter than, which is like the shortest rock battle that we'll probably see all season. Um, Hayes has wits, and although he's probably going to come up against the second ruck, wits rucks quite a lot during the match. Um, I think Dixon has the better matchup, but I think St. Kilda are the better chance of winning. Um, so I'm going to go with Hayes on this one. Yeah, it's interesting because the second ruck is Chol, right? And Chol is yep. not really a good 
relief ruckman. He's much better suited to the forward line than he is in the ruck. So I think even though Hayes is also an undersized ruck, there's you know potentially a chance that he competes better than that he has in other weeks. But I like Dixon for the exact reasons you said, which is Sydney doesn't really have a ruck line. So no. uh, it feels like they're both surprisingly strong options this week. And... For me, it does feel like a bit of a coin flip and, and personal preference. But yeah, maybe just one picking of, the one plus matchup. One of them's going to score 70, the other one's going to score like 40. And it's going to be like, oh, why do we even discuss this? Yeah, yeah. It's always the way it goes when there's good options yeah. like this. Um, BJ Williams likely rucks as the first ruck. Who's Sydney's backup ruck? Uh, do you know they, who did that they, role last are week? Are they bringing back a Marty? Marty or like Bell or something? I don't know. Is Bell even that type of guy? I don't, I, I've just Bell's, Bell's, a, Bell's a small forward. <laughs> No, no, he's not he's, small. He's, he's not small. He is tall, but he was playing pocket. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I take. I rescind it. Um, yeah. I guess it, it genuinely is a coin flip. I think I like Hayes more. Hayes has just shown at every second that he's been on an AFL field that he can score points. Um, he just looks the part. I think I'd back in his energetic, good groundwork um, to sort of run over. Might be a troll. <laughs> I think, um, and he should just be too quick for Wits, right? He should he should tackle well. Even if he does come against Wits, he's not going to get a single hit out, but um, he should beat him around the ground in terms of um, you know, distance covered. So yeah. it'd be interesting. I guess like for these situations, I tend to come back to who's averaged more as well. It's like the rule of thumb. So Hayes has got the better average. So that's probably where I'd lean, especially once we've got this many sample size. I also think Hayes probably has something to prove again after having the week off. Yeah, big time. Uh, well, he's going to get two weeks at it now, so yeah. I think he just... They've got... Um, I think it's Tom Campbell's their ruckman in the VFL playing really well, so um, he's still playing for his career at this point. Um, absolutely yeah. has more to, more to prove. And Marshall hasn't, um, hasn't looked particularly good either, so I don't know. No. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm leaning Hayes now. Uh, and then just quickly, Sam Reed was who was the second ruck for Swans last week. Right, okay. Um, the, the corpse of Sam Reed is, is still second ruck. All right, cool. Um, BJW, BJ Williams is still the first ruck, is going to be the first ruck for West Coast. Um, I see his name floating around quite a lot. He scored, I think, like 76 as the sole ruck when Nick Knapp missed with H&S protocols. Um, he's not an option. Uh, Oscar Allen's going to come back in. They're going to have Dixon, Allen, and you know Darling, Kennedy, BJW. Like, There's just too many options. We just don't know how that's going to pan out. I don't think he's a trading option at all. This is uh, for those considering, and we've got Bruce and Dixon and Hayes, like this, and English and Grundy and Gorn. There's so many options right now. This is going to show and Sherry in a week. My uh, <laughs> limited knowledge on West Coast, but uh, is Williams or Oscar Allen the better ruck of the two? I think they prefer Oscar Allen to not play ruck, but I think he's better, um, and he's definitely more versatile when he's not playing ruck as well. Yeah, because like my only worry is that maybe they drop Dixon for Allen. And then they could Williams yeah. plays number one ruck, and then we'll miss out on a good option. But it's too risky to go Dixon, for that. Dixon literally just outplayed BJW, though. Like it's true. It's it, it is a difficult. True, one. true. They're both young. They're both good. Um, I think there's quite a lot of future in, into both of them at the club. I, I think it just comes down to who's playing better. And I'm not trading into some guy who might be dropped in a week. It's, it's just not happening. Um, and and only scored 74 as the sole ruckman just a couple of weeks ago. So. Um, doesn't look to tick really any boxes. Um, Sherry's the other guy. He's going to get ruck status. He's got 46 this week. Um, I, I, sh- I think you're aware of the, the situation that happened there. I am, but I, I like it when you tell the story. <laughs> uh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Um, so essentially, he got cut just above the eye. 
Um, this was going into the third quarter, I believe. Um, and then pretty much the entire quarter was spent trying to patch it up and stop the bleeding. Um, along came the fourth quarter. He's still on you know 38 super coach points, um, which is fine for half time. He's on track for a good 40, uh, 70 score or 80 score, depending on how he finished. Um, but he, he just couldn't get any momentum late in the, the fourth quarter when he came back on. So he only scored the 46 super coach points. A lot of people talking about getting rid of him. He scored 79, 120, and 81. Um, he's coming up against the backup ruck of Josh Dunkley this week um, when he plays the Western Bulldogs. Uh, look, he just I, I don't think he's a trade-out. He's probably not even a trade-out until he's by. He might even be my R3 slash F7 for the entire season. Um, I think he's just the easiest hold in the entire game right now. I wouldn't be jumping at shadows here. He's got so much more money to make. Yeah, so just to back this up, he was a 34 and a half time and then 31 at three-quarter time. Uh, so went yeah, from something go. like near 90% time on ground to down to 65% and then finished the game in the low 70s, which is below where he's been the last few weeks. So very, yeah. very easy hold for mine as well. A lot of people concerned that Goldstein dominated, but that was just the product of Sherry going down. He, Goldstein's still a good ruckman, but Sherry's their future. He, he's not going to lose any ruck time. Um, i got one more topic, and this one's close to your heart. Will Brody. I hear this guy's name a lot. He's averaging 100 points, 0.5. He's already made 130K. His break-even is negative 16. If he scores anything over 90, he makes more than 45K again this week. He's going to go to 400K+. plus and still have a low break-even. A lot of people asking, if you don't have Will Brody, put your hand up right now. I promised you that I wouldn't swear, but you were testing my patience with all this Brody talk. <laughs> um, if you don't have Will Brody, is he a trading option A, as a cash cow from this point forward, um, and B, as someone who... I'm not going to say potential premium, but someone that can just get you to the buyers scoring well enough and making you enough money. Where do you sort of sit him? Because the last three weeks, the, the three-round average is, is over 100. He's looking pretty good. Oh, yeah. So, no. As someone that's sitting painfully on the outside of Brody, the answer is like, no. I don't think I can bring him in at this point. I don't think you can either, unless you believe he's a keeper. Like, if he's going to average 100 from here, then he'll make 150k and be a keeper, and yes, you should trade him in. I just don't think that's realistic once the rest of Frio's bids come back. And I know Two of which are coming back this week. Exactly. Um, So... I find it really hard to see him being a keeper and I find it hard to see him being a cash cow. I think the other problem is is that who are you trading to get to him? So I, I think some people last week, for example, went Barry to Brody and you netted 40 points for that trade in one week already and I'm sure you're going to net some some more. But it's not like you're making a bunch of extra catch o- over Barry. Like it's not going to be 150Ks worth. And trades have a value, yeah. I, like you said, 150K, you've lost that trade to make less than 150k and probably only a handful of points. Barry's good. Yeah, he he looked he looked okay. I mean, I'd rather have Brody if he if he could exchange those for free right now, but um <laughs> it's just that, that like for a lot of people that don't have Brody, how are you getting him? Cuz I don't think downgrading Crips to him is the option. Maybe if you've got um some swings, you could turn Bowie into him, but I mean, for those that started Chapman, it's like Chapman, Bowie, Brody. This is just mid-price train of disaster. So yeah, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pass and just hope that he regresses a bit because this has been a really painful couple of weeks. 
I agree. And I think he does regress a bit. And I think he especially regresses when uh, the Captain 5 comes back uh, in about four weeks' time, I think it is. Let me... Uh, I've got the the injury report open. Don't don't say that. Sure. He will have done all his damage in the next four weeks. <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> okay, he's, he's TBC. Um, I think the initial diagnosis was four to six weeks. And it's been... Well, I mean, it's been four, but like he had like an extra surgery on top. So I think he's still probably three to four weeks away. So look, it's not ideal if you don't own him, but I think you just cop it. Like you, you don't need him to to rise in rank. You don't need him to, to you know, generate money. You've got a lot of other players for that. So I think he's just a, a flat miss at this rate and it sucks, but you know, what can you do? You can't have every player. I wish I had Chapman at this point, but I'm not going to go trade him in, am I? So, um, yeah, that kind of summarizes the 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 position by position here. Um, we've got to quickly go through the captains and vice captains. Another thing I probably should have given you a heads up about pre-podcast, but luckily we have the easiest vice captain to captaincy loop in the history of the game. So easy. And I'm, I'm going to let you recite it to me without even talking about it pre-podcast. Oh, it is so easy. If you don't have VC Neil into C McRae, I don't know what you're doing this week. Absolutely. It's a free decision. I was going to go left field and like, I don't know, throw Heaney against West Coast or something, but no, I can't do it. Oh, I can't God. do that with a straight face. It's Neil into McRae this week and I, it's a little bit boring because I think everyone's going to have the same option. I was trying, are, yeah. I was trying to figure out if there is like interesting left field options and there really isn't that much. I mean, maybe Steele into Gold Coast. Mm. Maybe yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind Gorn against Flynn, but he he still doesn't strike mm. me as a captaincy option at this point. He's just been too up and down. And and for the rare like Brayshaw owner, maybe Brayshaw against Essendon. But I mean, these are vice captain options. Then none of them are reliable enough that you'd want right. to chuck the C on them. So if this was reversed and McRae against North was the last game of the round, then yeah, throw it at the stumps. But unfortunately, with them being second up, I think Neil into McRae is really the safest and smartest thing you can do this week. Uh, and how stress-free is it going to be to have locked in a captaincy option and a good score? Because guaranteed one of them is going 125 plus. We're going to be locking in that score and just relaxing from Friday night onwards through the Easter weekend. So you are that a, is exciting. You're a madman. Like, why would you say that? You're, you're going to... What do, do you mean? They're going to fail now. You can't just... You know what? I, you can't you know say what, that. You know what? You know what? I guaranteed Neil would go 145 plus. That's why I VC Dunkley about three weeks ago and he got me a 198. So you'll be thanking me as this weekend passes and my guarantee is netted you a double ton somewhere. Look, uh, like I've, I've, my captain's choices have been good this year. I'm averaging 150 from my vice-captain captain so far over four nice. games. I'm averaging 151, not to flex. Oh, but, but that is a flex though, just quietly. I mean, I've actually looked at it, so I know the number. Yeah. So it's just worked out All that right. way. So, it could have been 149. So we're both in like the top 100 coaches then this year for captain, vice-captain. So it's good that right. we landed on the same VCC. Um, but yeah, the fact that you jinx it still, I guess this is why you're at 151 and I'm just at 150. You've got that confidence I don't have. It does help. Um, they say point point two five points per week is is what it really adds up to in, in helpfulness. Which after four weeks, it does check out. So, um, <laughs> thanks very much for joining me, JD. Um, I'm going to plug our Twitters and then I'll, I'll let you do the same. So um, I'm at jb underscore drsc. 
You can get Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC and Chizo at Chizo DRSC. Don't know why you'd contact either of those guys. They're not even here. Um, the main page is Dr. underscore SC. Not sure why that's different. Don't ask me. Didn't make it. Um, <laughs> and obviously, you can check us on all the socials. Uh, tweet out at us if the podcast was good. Tweet out at JD if you made a good appearance. I think you did, JD, if you want to plug your socials. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, at Jackson Davey on Twitter, or you can find the Fantasy Take TV um, team at Fantasy Take TV and uh, Eno who runs it posts a lot of good injury updates news all that type of good stuff I kind of just post random opinions that are wrong but follow them anyway <laughs> they're fun um, and then yeah once again my YouTube's at Jackson Davey well I guess like just search my name you'll find me not, I'm not hard to find please if you're one of those people who tweeted us or, or comment in our Patreon about alternate podcasts to listen to go and check the Fantasy Take TV guys out they're unbelievable so um, couldn't recommend highly enough. Thanks very much for joining me on such a short notice, JD. Um, I'll make sure to get into the other two lads about leaving us high and dry for this one. Um, but it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Um, and we'll catch everyone next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.